We've taken time to read through much of John's account of the crucifixion of Jesus. It's interesting and instructive to me that half of John's gospel covers just one week of time. All of the the last chapters from 12 right through to the end deal with this week where, uh, of, of, of Easter and that, those events. And uh, this is by no means an accident. The trajectory of Jesus' life was to culminate at Easter where he would be crucified in a torturous death and victoriously resurrected the third day. Jesus was aware that every step he took was ordered by his heavenly Father by his father's plan and by his father's timetable. John reminds us over and over again uh, that Jesus was very aware of what his destiny was and where he was going and what he was going to do. In fact, it it begins right in John chapter 2 and verse 4 where his mother wants him to do some things and and, uh, he says to her, my hour has not yet come. In chapter 7, the religious leaders want to take him into custody. Uh, they They want to bring him in. But it says this, But no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. In, in chapter 8 of John, the leaders again wanted to take him into custody. Yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. In, in fact, in John 7, The temple guards were to bring Jesus in. They were sent out to capture Jesus and to bring him in and uh, to the authorities. And when he came back, they came back empty-handed. And when they were asked why they hadn't brought him in, they replied, no one ever spoke like this before. It was crazy. uh, Police out to bring in a person and they listened to him and and he he was so compelling that they came back empty-handed. They were absolutely mesmerized. But now the hour has come and Jesus will surrender himself to the abuse, to the cruel torture that was reserved for the worst of the worst. This is how they were put to death. You want to put him to death? Do so in a way that will really have some punch to it, something that will really have an effect as people see what it's like to die on a cross and to understand what it is to to, uh, cause problems for the Roman Roman, uh, governor. One of the fascinating features in John's account of the crucifixion is the understanding that we have that Jesus was in control of everything. He exercised control over all of the proceedings that would happen. Um, The the crucifixion, uh, the account of the crucifixion was, was the exercise of all of these proceedings. And we see Jesus. In the midst of all of this, he's strong. He's focused He's fearless. He's determined. He is sovereign. He's in control. It's his time. He's driving the agenda. He's driving the timing of all of this. And he's not a victim. He's not a victim. He has voluntarily placed himself in harm's way. He's come for a purpose and will submit to his mission. That's the timing of Jesus 
In fact, the religious leaders wanted to uh, do away with Jesus, but they calculated that the risk was too great to do it during the Passover. They would have tens of thousands of pilgrims that would be there for the, for the uh, uh, for Passover. And, and the problem would be uh, Jesus had some popularity, as Pastor Daniel spoke last week about his uh, raising Lazarus from the dead, and people were talking. They were all abuzz. Do you think he'll be at the feast? Is he going to be here? Is he coming? And, and, and so um, the, the religious leaders felt it was important for them uh, to not do it at this time, but to do it afterwards. And um, th th when the, the crowds would have gone and where they would be necessarily riots if they could do it quietly. Matthew tells us two days before the feast uh, that the religious leaders planned to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him, but not during the festival or there might be a riot. But Jesus was the Passover lamb. He was to be crucified. He was to be put to death uh, at Passover. His, it was to be on his schedule, his timetable, not theirs. And Jesus states in uh, uh, John 10 and verse 18, he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. He said, nobody kills me. I lay down my life when I want to. And did you notice that? And I take it up again. He, he even is, is instrumental in his own resurrection. And uh, he receives that from the father. So the hour has finally come. Jesus has put himself in a place that Judas would be aware of. Judas would know where to find Jesus as, as he went and made his plans. It was going to bring all these soldiers and, and these police to the garden. Uh, Jesus didn't run from that. He didn't hide from that. He, he, he made himself accessible. And, and it's interesting that the, the Roman soldiers, and, and John particularly of all the Gospels, likes to tell us about so much of what the Romans are doing in this, and, and they have a bigger part to play. Uh, but here we come, we've got the temple police, we've got some of the religious rulers, and we have a Roman detachment. That's a lot of soldiers. And they're coming with, with uh, torches, and they're coming with lanterns, and they're coming with weapons, uh, because it's night, and it's Passover is at the time of, of uh, full moon. And and so they wanted to be able to find them and, uh, him and catch them and, and uh, bring them in. And John records in, in John 18 and verse 4, Jesus, knowing that all that was going to happen to, went out and confronted this group. And, and it's interesting because he, he says to them, uh, who is it you want? And uh, they reply, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And you know what happened? I mean, it, it, this is so incredible that all of these soldiers who've come to bring in this one guy fall down, they, they back off and fall down like a, like a whole group of dominoes. Say, so, what is this? They're in the presence of somebody that the likes of which they've never been in the presence of. And, and here he is, 
with these people, and, and they get up, and he says again, well, who are you looking for? I told you. I am he. Now, it's interesting here that if you would look into the original language, it actually tells us something very important for it. When Jesus answered, uh, I am he, it, it, really, it really could properly be uh, interpreted, I am. We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am. And if you've been reading along in John's gospel, you'll find out that that's something very important that he said. He said, in essence, that I am God. I am divine. And, and it takes us right back to the first of John. The, the word was, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And we look down a few verses and we find he, he, the, that he came to dwell among us and, and that he is full of grace and full of truth and that he is God in the flesh. Well, here, here he is. And um, the statement that, that Jesus is God, we find that here. And the response of the soldiers, uh, as I said, was they were overwhelmed by the power of the voice and the words of Jesus. So they take him, and off this band of soldier goes, leading Jesus in chains, taking him to the religious leaders. They form a mock trial, and it was illegitimate on so many uh, cases, according to their own law. For capital trials, uh, the Mishnah, the, the codified oral law that the Jews went by forbade con conducting those trials at night. So we've got a problem there. Secondly, the proceedings were to transpire over at least a two-day period. So another strike against them. And there was to be private interrogation of witnesses. And that didn't happen either. And all of these requirements were abrogated. You see, the law is good if it works for you, and if it doesn't, you, you just forget about it. And you can disregard that and corrupt the process, and that's exactly what they did because they wanted to get Jesus on the cross so badly. There was one problem. The Jews had no authority for capital punishment. Uh, they had, they had, they'd have to have that through the Roman governor. And uh, so what they did was they went to him early in the morning, and he came out, and uh, uh, they, they presented their, their fake, their trumped-up charges, and they head to the governor's residence, in the, uh, and, and he comes out, and he would, he would preside over them. But because it was uh, on, on the cusp of uh, the Passover, uh, they didn't want to go into the palace. So they stayed outside because they'd be ritually impure and unable to celebrate and eat the, the Passover meal. Pilate wants no, no part of this wrangling about Jewish law. He doesn't care about that. Don't bother with that. And, and as discussions proceed, Pilate could see that he was being squeezed. He knew what was going on. He knew, he knew that what they were doing is wrong, and, and they and they keep trying to force it. He's mindful, though, that rioting could start. And if rioting started, uh, Rome didn't look favorably on that. So what he needed to do was he needed to keep the peace and keep, keep things down, uh, particularly at a, at, a, at a time of the feast. Uh, he had to make sure there was uh, 
peace and order. And Pilate went outside to investigate these charges that the Jews were bringing against Jesus. And he poses a question to them. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus was like no one else Pilate had ever confronted. He was quiet. He was calm. He was cool under circumstances. He was unflinching in his assurance and demeanor. His strength of character. There was no intimidation. In fact, I would say the tables were turned. And, and the one who was to be uh, uh, judging Jesus became the one who was judged by Jesus. Um, he says to him, are you really the king of the Jews? Uh, is that your own idea, Jesus said, or do others tell you about this? Am I a Jew? Like, uh, what have you done? Ah, my kingdom's not of this world. Um, if it were, my, my followers would fight uh, to prevent my arrest. Then you are a king. Uh, you say I'm a king. The reason I came is to testify to the truth, and anybody who's on the side of truth is on side with me. What is truth? Pilate said, I've wondered how, he, how his voice said that. I wonder what he meant. I wonder what is truth after all? Who, who who can even know what truth is? Or I, I would have loved to understand what he meant by that. But he knows he's being played, and he wants to set up, uh, set Jesus free. But the, the, the pressure is continuous and unrelenting over and over. He tries one approach after another. He, he, he thought, you know, maybe uh, we have this... this uh, custom that we can release a prisoner and, and sur surely they'll see this insurrectionist who was a murderer who's in jail th this notorious Barabbas if I put him up and say and Jesus you know I, I think they would go for Jesus I mean Jesus only did good for people Jesus didn't hurt people and all the rest of that but they scream we we want Barabbas crucify Jesus um he doesn't know what he's going to do. Um, and so his next trick is, well, well, I'll have him flogged. I'll have him beaten. And, and so they took the crown of thorns. The, he, he gave him over to the, um, to the soldiers. And the Roman soldiers really made a craft of perfecting cruelty. A king? Oh, well, let's crown him with, with thorns. I used to have a crown of thorns plant. And those thorns were about two or two inches long, and, and somebody to put them in and, and take a stick and, and plate his head with that. It's cruelty to put um, and mock him in a, in a uh, purple gown and to slap him and to punch him and to kick him and, and whatever they did. And then to be flogged and, and beaten up and, and then to present him before the people. And, and surely that'll gain some compassion. Look at what I've done something for you. Look, look at, I, I've, I've had him beaten up. I've had him judged. And, and that was not going to work for them. They are undeterred. Reminds me of what said the, apostle, or the prophet Isaiah says in, in chapter 52 and 14. He says, many were appalled at his appearance. In his appearance, he was so disfigured beyond that of any human being. 700 years before Jesus 
would come. Those words were spoken by Isaiah. And when Pilate brings him out, he says, here's the man, and this beaten and bloodied man uh, that had no power over them. He said, I bring him out to let you know I find no, no basis for a charge among him. The very appearance of Jesus elicited derision and scorn. Crucify, crucify, crucify. Pilate was frustrated. He was getting nowhere. The crowd was not, uh, not uh, bending it at all. He said, you take him and crucify him. I find no, no reason or no blame or no fault for him. There's no basis for a charge. And they said, our law says we, you know, we, we, can't, uh, we can't put him to death. And our law says he's done something wrong because he claimed to be the son of God. And he saw he was in a losing battle. Pilate was on the horns of a dilemma. He couldn't get Jesus to talk very much. You don't know that I have the power to crucify you, he says to Jesus, or, or set you free. Don't you know that I have that power? I love what Jesus said. He told Pilate, you have no power over me unless it were given to you from above. He hadn't confronted anyone like this. And from that time on, Pilate tried to get Jesus off the hook. It was incessant, though, the chant from the religious leaders to crucify him, crucify him. The bloodthirsty leaders would have nothing of that. And, and uh, they said, anyone who is a friend, uh, who, who is not, uh, anyone who is a king is not a friend of Caesar's. And the, the, the gist of that is, is so awful. They hated, the Jews hated the Romans. They were occupied by them. They, they were restricted in what they could do. They had to pay taxes to them. And, um, and here they are, lying. They handed him over to be crucified, and he dragged his cross to the place of crucifixion, being impaled between two criminals, a sign that the charge, what they would put a sign of the charge, and the charge against him was he was the king of the Jews. Don't put that he was the king of the Jews. Put he claimed to be king of the Jews. No, what I've written, I've written. The epitome of shame. To hang upon a tree was to be cursed from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And, and here the crowd is mocking him as he hangs upon a tree. It's the epitome of shame. Treated like a criminal agonizing in pain, in nakedness. This is God the Son. In the midst of this, he looks down and sees his dear mother. And in the midst of his, of his pain and his agony, he shows his love and concern for her. Dear woman, your son. And to John, the beloved disciple, your mother, and from that time on, John took her into his house and cared for her. See, Jesus was in absolute control. <laughs> Everything came out the way he wanted it to. He changed their agendas. He changed their, their timetables in, in all of that. Jesus was in control. And one last time, he asked for something to drink. I'm thirsty. And he, gets, he, he wets his lips and his mouth 
and he speaks his last words. He says, I'll give up my life when I'm ready to give it up, when I've finished. And so he said, paid in full, the penalty of our sin placed on him. He understood it's finished, it's over. And he died. Why did he die? He died because he saw the pain and the brokenness of our world and what it had done to others, how we'd been separated from God, how we're under God's judgment, how, how God unleashed his wrath uh, against sinners. And Jesus stepped in to take my place and to take your place and to incur our punishment so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be accepted, and that he died in my place. Why did he do it? He did it for love, for love. He loved us. He saw us in our world, in, in, in the brokenness that we are. And he saw you, and he saw me. And he made a way for us to be accepted by God. And Jesus presents himself to us. He reaches out to us. He makes himself known. And like Pilate, we have a bit of a dilemma ourselves. We have a dilemma, what are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to do with this God the Son who came and lived this perfect life and, and who went through all of that and surrendered his life and died to take my place and your place so that we could live forever with him, so that we could be forgiven? And I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do with Jesus? You see, you're here, and I don't know some of you, and I don't know why you're here, but it may be that God wanted you to know how much he loves you and what he did for you, and we come to celebrate. And, and he, he wants you to come to him. He wants you to come and, and turn in faith to him. He wants you to recognize that you're hopelessly lost, and you're a sinner, and you have no way to atone for your sins. Only he can do that for us. And maybe you haven't done that yet. And maybe this is a time when you recognize that what we've been singing about, that that God of ours who gave his life on a cross did so because he loved us and invites us to come to him. And he wants us to put our faith and our trust in him and to be rescued by him. An old Indian chief had his life transformed by Jesus Christ. And he, wherever he went, he would speak about this. And, and one younger man came up to him and, and said to him, why do you love Jesus so much? He, without saying a word, the old chief got down on his knees and his hands and he took some twigs and some, uh, some leaves and made them into a circle. And he saw a, uh, a caterpillar wandering. And so he took the caterpillar and put it in the middle of these twigs. And then he lit them on fire. And, and as the heat and the smoke was, was blowing around and, and, and encroaching on this little creature... He watched as it tried to go this way and that way, and, and, and there was no way out, and he was going to die. 
And, and the chief put down his hand and picked up that little uh, cre creature. And he said, that's why I love him. He gave everything for us. And we're in a hopeless, hopeless place. And he said, I love you. I reach out to you and I provide for you a rescue if you'll only come to me. And he's here today. He, he's present by his spirit with us today. And I want you to know he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with a love that is so incredible that he gave it all up for us. And he, he reaches out his arms and he invites us to come to him. And if you've never done that, I want to invite you to turn your heart to him, to put your faith and trust in him, to say, I don't deserve this. You have loved me and cared about me and you're forgiving me and, and the wrath that should come on me and the judgment that should come on me, it came on you so that I wouldn't have to bear that and that you would say yes to him. And if that's the case with you, I just want to encourage you uh, to share that with us. Please contact our office, email us. We'd love to know uh, if that's something that's happened for you this day. And, and I want you to, to know that we're here to help you. If you have questions, and maybe you're on a question, a journey, we want you to know that uh, we wanna, we're here to help you. We're here to guide you into a new walk of life in faith with him.